Live. Live on. Live on set. And welcome to episode six of Live on Set. My name is Austin Lee. I am the host of Live on Set. Live on Set, the weekly pop culture podcast where I'm talking film, music, sports, television with my friends, family, and people that I meet along the way. Joining me on set today, one of my very good friends, a confidant when it comes to the arts, when it comes to pop culture. Ladies and gentlemen, say hello to Mr. Luis Ramos. Luis, how are you? I'm doing well, Austin. How are you? Doing good. Not too bad. It was a beautiful day today. I actually went out for a walk for something that did not involve me walking to get food. So, I mean, if that tells anyone anything, it's, it's a big deal. You go get coffee? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot that you were very high on my list when it comes to live on set. You were on the ground floor on the support end of getting this thing going. Waited a little bit. And then I finally, I guess, got in the game. But what's important to know is that Every element about this podcast, film, music, sports, television, if you look at a TV show, if you look at sports, if you look at movies, if, if you look at music, we've been to amazing concerts. We've been to some crazy sporting events. We talk, I would say, daily about the arts when it comes to film and television. But today, as of course... But today, I would say, is a special day because there's a film that we talk about all the time that actually celebrates its 10th anniversary. So I want to start off talking a little bit about The Social Network. I heard it's a very well-respected director's favorite film. It's true. Quentin Tarantino. Some would argue he is one of the, if not the best to do it, but he did say um, at the end of 2019, someone asked him, what he thought the best film of the decade was. And he said, without a doubt, unanimously, The Social Network. And I, yeah, I think... surprising when you told me that, but I can see it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I think not only would I say it's my favorite David Fincher movie, I would say maybe, because the cast is really good. And if you take Facebook, something that's so relevant for us and our generation and kind of looking behind it, things like that, great score too. That movie's great. But... I just think that for someone like that, like Tarantino, who the movies that he's done and what he has put out to the world is kind of like the opposite of the social network. Yes, he tells stories that comes from like his mind and a lot of the stories that he has done, none of which are really like true stories. Yes, the things we see could definitely happen, but the social network and what Mark Zuckerberg did and kind of how big Facebook is today, that movie I just feel like we'll be more relevant and relevant as time goes on. Like it's a movie that will definitely age well. Yeah, I agree. That's actually why I'm surprised Tarantino likes it so much because it's unlike anything he's ever made. But I think that that movie did a very good job telling that story, the story of Facebook, uh, the way Mark Zuckerberg made it. Of course. And I think that they made it uh, relatable to people that aren't in the tech space or can really understand what goes behind starting a, a company that turns out to be that big. Like JT posted something on, on the gram today. And like, he has that line in the movie where like they meet, he meets Wardo and, and, and Mark in that restaurant when they're out in California. And he like, the last thing he said, like the most important thing was like, drop the, the, it's just like, it's cleaner. Like that movie is 
straight to the point, clean cut, very much a story that when it's told from like beginning to end, it's in the back of your mind, you're like, okay, I know where this is kind of going to, where it's going to end up and kind of what happens. But just think like Mark would have been with like a sophomore or a junior at Harvard. Being able to do that is just like incredible. And yeah, it's fascinating. I actually think he started working on it when he was a little bit younger. And I don't know how factual like the whole like Harvard connection side of things are and kind of like what he knows, but obviously like being able to not just like the the thinking that goes behind it, but then having the uh, confidence in the code that he, you have to write in order to do something like that and what has to go into it to maintain that and, and what, ultimately that end result was being able to to do that so young, essentially with people that were all his age, no one was really like an elder in that. He ran the show is just crazy. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder what his idea behind it, if he ever thought that it would be as big as it is, if it would take over the world. Cause I, I, mean, I don't think that he did think it would turn into this. I mean, I think a guy who <clears throat> wore a zip up jacket and flip flops walking around doing his own thing. I think that he knew how maybe how smart he was or what it really like how he carried himself. But then I also think like, I just get the vibe of when he, when you see him and how he's portrayed in the film, there's elements of him that he like doesn't take himself too seriously. But now just for how big Facebook got and how quickly it got, I just feel like he has gotten to the point where he's living a life that I don't think he ever thought was going to happen. And I just think, like being put in those positions where you're meeting with these investors and them telling you who they're all older than that kid. Like imagine we're 27. So imagine five years ago, someone in their fifties telling me, Hey, your idea is the best thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And you are worth billions of dollars. Don't mess this up (laughs) or don't, or, or like you, we're going to give you $5 million of of seed money to see where this is going to grow don't waste my money yeah the pressure had to be immense right and like i got pressure like if i go to pick up food it could be like fast food something it could go it could go be a pizza and someone says light sauce and i come back and there's sauce on it and they blame it on me i didn't order the food <laughs> but like when when you can like control you can control and kind of let go of everything <laughs> else i mean it's definitely difficult and then obviously the the stress that comes with it and it's one of the if not the most like website that in regards to high traffic and users, it's something that is, it got bigger as we were talking. Yeah. It snowballed. It really did. And it's kind of crazy to see Mark Zuckerberg sitting in front of Senate now, (laughs) like talking about Facebook's Libra. Oh, absolutely. To think of like where he came from to being like uh, the headline kind of guy in a decade. Right. Kind of crazy. Zuckerberg is a genius. And I think just like, like I said, Facebook keeps getting bigger and bigger. And I don't know if it will, it will obviously get bigger as time goes on. It's something that more and more people become users every single day. I, I get that. And I think that's very clear, but I still feel like he has to be amazed that there are people who have nothing, but they have Facebook. Yeah, no, you're right. It's billions and billions of people. Right. He has reached, bringing the whole world together. Now he's in everyone's pocket. Of course. Facebook, Instagram, oh, yeah. anything relevant is pretty much owned by 
Facebook. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Now, and, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, right. was Rashida J in that film? Of course. Rashida J. One of our favorites. W- would be a fantastic guest on Live On Set. But Rashida Jones not only was in the film, not only is she near and dear to the hearts of you and I, but she also went to Harvard. So that was also a big kind of thing of her getting a role in that film. So I didn't know that. She's like part of like the legal counsel in the film, but yeah, she went to Harvard. And I think it was like the late nineties, early two thousands when she went there. Like they talk in that movie, like at the time then Facebook when the Harvard connection was gonna start with like the Winkle Vi and Divian Arendra and stuff like that and Mark and, and, and Wardo. Like they talk about like an Olympian and um they talk about like a movie star. The movie star was Natalie Portman but they wanted Mm -hmm. to have like a movie relatively like known movie star be in the movie that actually went to Harvard and Rashida Jones went there. And I think she did fantastic in the movie. Natalie Um, Portman went there too. Yeah. Wow. But I mean, it's crazy. The whole like Ivy league scene. And obviously when you think Ivy league, you think of, okay, when this person graduates, like how are they going to be, how successful are they going to be? And there's like a ceiling for really anyone that has ambitious dreams and things like that. Some of it I felt like he stumbled into, like the name, the name of the book is like The Accidental Billionaires. They didn't know what they were getting into. And then it became global. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah, tumbled into a universal thing. Now, yeah, it's like 10-year anniversary social network. It's a movie that I've watched a couple of times recently, but there are some other movies that we talk about, I would say, religiously. Trilogy film. And the second okay. and third film, no. I mean, sure, we can talk about that if you want. Um, but like when it comes to trilogy films and the non-superhero narrative, I would say is the Oceans trilogy. I think, I think we, you and I, and I'm sure there's other people that are out there, I to this day support publicly and privately and, came, and campaign in favor of people watching Oceans 12, hoping that people will <laughs> love it as much as, as me. But it's, it's hard to follow up a classic that is Oceans think- 11. I think you have to be a fan of the films to appreciate Ocean's 12. Oh, and yes. I don't know why. Catherine Zeta-Jay right. did a great job. Of course. Um, Go to the Night Fox. Dude. It's <laughs> Underappreciated it's, film, I agree. Underappreciated. One of my favorite film sequences of all time when you take the Night Fox and he's in there doing like the, to get to the lasers and stuff. It's, it's an iconic scene. Warm-up dance moves. Of course. Yes. And Almost Tai Chi. Dude. And then, um, I mean, Lamarck, I mean, it's a classic whodunit, but it's, um, well, I mean, well, he did it. But, <laughs> well, I mean, I just think like that movie, like the Oceans trilogy, like it could have been so many different things. Like after I really got into like film and the history of film and looking into kind of how things kind of played out and there's so much that goes into making a movie. Yes, but there's so many things that if movies are on the table that are on the docket for these studios, you could be attached to a film so much time goes by you'll stay on as a producer but you're not going to star in it so like danny ocean for us was george clooney but it was actually supposed to be bruce willis and then if you take like casey affleck and scott Kahn for the the brothers like they were supposed to be owen and luke wilson and i remember you telling me that i think burt reynolds might have been attached to play lyman And, and RIP to Carl Reiner, of course. But there's just so many things could have gone the other way. And I just think like for a movie like that, like when people think trilogies, like for our generation, we had pirates, we had Batman, we had all these different things. But a trilogy underrated that 
was so well done start to finish. Soderbergh did all of those movies is the Oceans trilogy. And they, and, killed that, it. and they killed it. And I mean, and, and that's definitely something that we, t- that we still to this day talk about that I have, I mean, there's a couple of movies kind of like towards the end. Like I think the first couple of DVDs that I had that I also had the VHS format for were Shrek and Ocean's Eleven. See? And then, and then the game changed forever. But I mean, those are classic, classic films. There's a few films that if they are on network television, TNT, TBS, that I'll stick through and watch it out if I'm flipping through channels. And Oceans is definitely one of them. Oh, absolutely. Now, TNT, There's... not only do they know drama, but they also... <laughs> the cast in that film, though, is 10 out of 10. I love everyone in it. I like all the characters. Not only do a lot of the, the cast members, obviously they're in on whatever the, the plan is. If it's in a casino, if it's stealing an art piece, but they all have their strengths and what they're supposed to do. And I think like that group, like top to top to bottom on like an actor standpoint, you look at all of those people who some of them were very much established and then some of them weren't. And then one person was an unknown. So the guy that played the amazing Yen was relatively unknown. The guy that played Livingston Dell kind of also unknown, all the other eight or nine people, I mean, were heavy hitting A-listers. Oh, absolutely. So you take like, Scott Conn and Casey Affleck at that time had some some films in the late nineties that people knew who they were. And Casey Affleck obviously coming from like the Goodwill Hunting side with with um his brother Ben and, and Matt Damon. Matt Damon obviously Goodwill Hunting, Saving Private Ryan, and he was doing the Bournes at the same time, so he couldn't be any bigger. Those three That was really, I think, the catalyst of Matt Damon. I remember that. Oh, absolutely. And then you also that was I mean, a turning point. George and, and, and Brad are, are obviously Top don't forget top. my boy Don Cheadle. Dude. Don't forget. Basher. <laughs> Basher. I I Honey t- Rubble. Dude. <laughs> Trouble. <laughs> Yo, I'm Reno wearing Bonnie. Honey Rubble. Trouble. Trouble. But no, I just think like and then Don Cheadle there had a couple of things in the late nineties, but then like Oceans was massive, massive, massive for him. He's gone on to success in television. He's gone on to he had an Academy Award nomination for Hotel Rwanda, which he kind of got doing the time during the time of those ocean films. And then he obviously had a good show with, with, on, with Marvel as well. Is Showtime is Showtime, it? Showtime, see. Is it? Yeah. Showtime? Yeah. It was um they had it's a consulting show. I don't know. Is it, yes, it was entertaining? Yes, yes, with Kristen Bell and Yes. And, God bless and, Kristen and Ben Bell. Schwartz from Parks. I gotta think for a second, it'll come back to me. Yeah, I'm thinking. House of Lies. You're welcome. You're right. House of Lies. Marty Khan. I knew that. No, that was a good show. I actually remember watching the whole series. Yeah, Showtime. You're right. Yeah, no. And, and, and that's another, like, thing, too. Like, you can see that role, like, what he played. Like, yeah, Don Cheadle could pull that off. But then the roles of, like, Kristen Bell and Ben Schwartz, they never really did that before. And so they both kind of came from, like, that comedy background. And, I mean, Kristen Bell was Veronica Mars, and so people kind of see her that way. But, um, yeah, I mean, all those people, like Bernie Mac, RIP, of course. Um, oh yes and yeah yeah and and he obviously was massive in the 90s with his own show and comedies and things like that and then we're missing not a part of the original 11 but julia roberts i think is a huge a huge name in that film test test. so matt damon is linus caldwell and then rusty and then danny and then basher and then i'm missing we'll figure it out saul yes 
Yeah, yes. I didn't know his name in real that's, life. That's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Elliot Gold. Saul. Elliot Gold. No, Elliot Gold. No, Saul is Lyman Zelga. It's Carl Reiner. You're thinking El- of Elliot Gold. Elliot Gold. I'm Ruben. Think, I'm Ruben. Ruben. Yes, yes, yes. He's a fantastic. Ruben, yes, of course, sitting yes. outside the pool. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Get inside the damn house. <laughs> right, 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 right. Those, yeah. are, Terry, those are Terry Benedict's casinos. <laughs> <laughs> the man when he drops that fork on that plate i've never that that's one of my favorite i mean it has nothing to do with anything but that is my one of my favorite <laughs> shots of the entire trilogy i'm happy they made that film you know it must have cost the studio a fortune to get all those actors together of course kind of like like you said like those people like that that trilogy put a lot of people like on the map and it also took people from like that was also really big for Clooney as well i mean he just came off of batman not really going well for him kind of like a one and done situation and then you put him in that situation of he begins to work with people that never he really worked with before that not only led to a nomination, but a win for him for Syriana, which he met Matt Damon and got through involved with people like that. And then Soderbergh directed traffic and Stephen Gagan who wrote traffic wrote Syriana and it's all leads together for all of these people. And the people who were big got bigger and the people who weren't really established, you know them from those trilogies, which is, which is great. And it's yeah. good. It's good um, to kind of see them where they've ended up as well. They also pulled back Bruce Willis. Now that I think of it, after you told me that uh, he was supposed to be Danny, they did bring him in. He cameoed one of them. Ocean's Twelve, of course. Correct. Yes, in the museum. Yeah, see, but it, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy how many big names they brought into those films. Oh yeah, and then like you bring so you know who had, who came in Ocean's Thirteen, dude. Al P. Al P. Uncle Al. Bank. One of the biggest names of all time. Bank. Now, I love these films, but let me go ahead and segue because there's another film that's on TNT or TBS that I will stop for. (laughs) And I know you love this movie, too. Of course. Blue Streak. It is an absolute classic film. Yeah. Martin Lawrence. (laughs) That movie deserves more praise than it gets. Revolutionary. And I did check stats. There was supposed to be a sequel. It never developed. Am I upset? Yes. Am I glad it didn't? Because I uh, I can appreciate for what Blue Streak is. Yes. 100%, 100%. I have that film on DVD. Oh, of course. It's, it's, it's from start to finish. We're talking establishing shot all the way to the end of the film, going through the long <laughs> elevator shafts and going through for that diamond and then where it leads. Dropping but, off pizza to the third floor, robbery homicide. <laughs> robbery homicide. <laughs> Just want to let you know that I came back here last week and they called asking for their pizza and it looks as if it, it never made it past the front desk. <laughs> um all-time classic film if you like comedy that is a top tier film oh of course and and i I actually yeah didn't know who dave Chappelle was before that film i I, remember watching that movie when i was was like really young i was gonna bring up dave Chappelle. so dave Chappelle in blue streak hysterical the same year that blue streak came out he was in another film that i would assume Maybe you've seen, maybe not. Okay, it's You've Got Mail, Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, Segway. But Tom Hanks' best best friend in the film, Dave Chappelle. Definitely, I mean, look at the range that he has as an actor to being able to, be, to pull up all those things. And then the Chappelle show after that blows up one of the biggest shows ever too. But yeah, no, Dave Chappelle, I, I'm glad you brought that up because he definitely, I mean, obviously is one of the, if not the best stand-up comedian ever. But yeah, he, yeah, definitely. he is... Brilliant someone who yeah is brilliant and talk about i mean another film we love school of rock talking about sticking it to the man 
If anyone stuck it to the man, it was Dave Chappelle. <laughs> oh, yeah. Telling Comedy imagine turning down that paycheck. Oh, yeah. Comedy Central telling him to kick rocks, losing essentially 30-plus million on the floor. Go away for half a decade, come back, and then Netflix pays him triple that to come back and do those specials. I mean, he knows what he's doing. And he's Brilliant guy. fantastic at what he does, too. There's um, another one. There's another comedian who I think is actually brilliant in a film that we like, Chris Rock. Yeah, sure. Speaking now, of trilogies. Okay. Are you going are you going to bring up what Lethal Weapon 4? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously the snake skin, dude. Okay, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean Chris Tucker, good lord. Oh my god. That's oh what I meant. Oh my god. No, Chris you knew that's Tucker. what I meant. Okay, that's yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. It's good. Everything's great. I mean buttercream, buttercream, buttercream. What size is the waist? Let's go in. And then, yeah, Rush Hour, of course, because they did three three films as, as well, too. And, and I mean, Chris Tucker, I mean, Rush Hour 2 is, I, I mean, Tell I Tell me you're not stopping effects if you see Rush Hour come up. Dude, all right. There are, I would say, five films that they're on television regardless of where they're at. Now, unless I'm having, like, a really bad day and I need, I need to reboot my system, I'm not going to go back and, if it's too far gone, bring it back to the beginning or just put the DVD in if I have it. But there are a couple of films that if they are on television, I will watch them regardless of where they're at. And the movies range from all over. It could be School of Rock. It could be Blue Streak. Definitely Rush Hour 2. Now to kind of change things and mix things up here, I am very fond of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And then also completely... Didn't see that one coming. Completely out of left field. Catch me if you can. The Notebook. <laughs> no, I've actually never seen. I've actually never seen The Notebook. As someone that is a fan of the arts, oh, it's, and, and would it's, on it's and rough. off the record say that my one of my favorite, if not my favorite genre, would be the romantic comedy. The Notebook is is deep. That's more of a drama than a comedy. I'm it's sure it's rough. It's definitely, laugh. it's definitely a drama. I and, don't like it. And um, I mean, Gosling, good for him. But yeah, no, I I have never seen the full film, and that's you could do a lie detector test. I would pass it. Good. You could do without the ending. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. That's all right. <laughs> I mean, I hope I hope everything went okay. But <laughs> I want to transition here because before we get to the main segment here, there's we talked about movies. There's a lot of things we like. There's a lot of movies that you're fans of that maybe I just haven't really gotten into. There's a lot of things that I know that I've watched that are just not even remotely on your radar. Um, like the Sentinel, <clears throat> but um, that was a cool comment. Uh, but <laughs> but what's in? But another aspect of of live on set, we talked film. We'll get into music, sports, TV as we go here. But I want to stop with TV that next segment and talk about a television show that you showed me that you came over towards the end of watching Game of Thrones to me, and I said, I need a new show. I need something to get this kind of like out of my system here because of how the show ended and how I wasn't happy. Yes. And you yes. said, well, I mean, you could always watch The Sopranos. And it was a show that I'd never seen before. So the night of the Game of Thrones series finale, I watched the first episode of The Sopranos. And for the next three weeks, I was locked into that family. I mean, early hot takes, because I, I really want you to kind of uh, talk about this here and, and, and make this, this segment, this, this, this aspect of the episode definitely about you and talk about the show. But there's a lot of the, the lifestyle that I would see from Tony and the guys. And I was like, I could definitely do this. But then a lot of things that I'm like, I, I, def- <laughs> yeah. I, def- I definitely could not. The eating, I'm in. The hanging out, you know, I, the hanging out I'm in. Other stuff, I'm going to hang back. I'm going to watch the stuff you guys go. 
I think it, it, what you just said is is a huge reason why that show had such a big impact on society. We are like just your average 20-somethings that grew up in suburban central Florida. Right. And we tune into a show that's two decades old that has to do with an Italian mob family, which is could be hyperbole, could be not, but we felt like we could be part of the gang. And I, I really, really think that's what made that show so good. They made it relatable to everyone, and everyone became a part of that family. Right. The attachment was real. <laughs> now, for, for the people that have not seen the show, but they do have HBO, and to the people who have never heard of the show, I mean, it's possible. I don't know how. But, I mean, that show, like, what HBO has really been able to achieve, like, overall, like, the history of, like, that network is, like, you think of shows like The Wire, Game of Thrones, like The Sopranos. The Sopranos, for a very long time, very much considered one of the, if not the best show that's ever been made. And it's gotta be up there. I, I will honestly say that after watching it, it is probably the best show I've ever seen. If you watch the show from beginning to end and you are a fan of the arts and you get to a point in the show where you dissect the scenes and you see what they're doing with each cast member i think that the casting in that show is so good like every every line is perfectly done they do it all with such intention and i I have never really seen a show that captivated me so much scene to scene like the sopranos and they did they found a way to tangle that in with your attachment to each character that really just draws you into the end. And I I don't know, it had an impact on me like more than many other shows I've seen for different reasons. And, and I think like, come back to what you said with like the casting, like the casting is so well, like, obviously, like I told you numerous times, not even towards the end of like the later seasons or like the final season, like obviously Tony is front and center. I think he's incredible. Melfi is incredible. My favorite character on that show. Bobby Bacala. No, my God. Dude, all right. Well, before we'll get to him because he's a fantastic man. The man loved his trains. That's all I'm going to say. The man loved his trains. And unfortunately, the man flew a little too close to the sun. But well, what I will definitely say, what I will definitely say, and now I'm thinking about Bobby Bacala. Like before I get to my, I, I want to hype this up for a second. But like before I get to, like who my favorite character is like the casting on that show is so good and the characters who are on it the entire time and you watch them grow up you watch them evolve if they're an adult if they're a kid and they grow into like a man a woman whatever like it's great and that show is one of the best to ever do it in in something like that but the characters who are on there for a season or two or they're playing someone that like you know as a member of the audience you know like the moral and the ethical kind of approach on life that we see through Tony and the people that come into his life, but the people who are supposed to be bad and you don't like them, you hate them. That mm. is what makes the, cu- the casting so good. So people like agree. who are on that show that you want nothing to deal with Janice. Janice. God. <laughs> <laughs> she loves the stones, but like what I'll tell you right now is the people on that show that you are supposed to hate, they, they don't cast people that would be universally loved and see can they can we take a risk on this can this person show the world they can play someone that they can hate no the people who were on that show that played those roles no one could do them better 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. They did every every bit of that show with intention, and it worked spot on. As the show goes on, and for me, it was relatively kind of quick for me to, to like, okay, who's going to be my best character? Who do I want to see on the show that I would consider to be the person I, I, I am a fan of the most? And it is, without a doubt, easily Carmela Soprano. Oh, yeah, Carmela is a top top three character in that show for oh, sure. I love Carm for sure. The character on the show that has no pun intended, but the highest highs and the lowest lows is got to be Altasanti, Christopher, Christopher, Chrissy, Chrissy. But like, I mean, yeah. obviously, like that all time, not just television, but just like role for an actor to play like that ultimate supporting role that has like the the story that goes into what he is supposed to be and how he's supposed to evolve just not like as a part of like that family but like as a man like you 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 look with him at season one and you look for him for the duration of the series and like what is supposed to be like he has the ego he has the elements of being the chosen one he has the elements of risking it all and that, that combination that comes out, Christopher Montesanti. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's a lot, man. It's a lot. It's very intense. I think intense is a good word for that show. Sure. It's one that I actually, as much as I love it, I, I struggle going back and watching episodes here and there because the way that that show ended, just, right. <laughs> it really... Uh, I don't know. It, it it messed with me for a while. <laughs> I want to know what happened. Oh, of course. And like, and, and I think like, as someone who is very much into to music and having one of those iconic songs like "Don't Stop Believing," which I would say there's like five songs mm. or so. If you heard them at a bar, everyone in the, everyone in the bar knows a song, and that's one of them. That show has forever. When I hear that song now. And I hear the first like, don't stop, then I'm done. <clears throat> that show is just so well done. And that, that last episode of that show, like that series finale, it, it kind, of, kind of like puts everything. It's kind of like that ambiguous thing. Like, and then they're like, oh, well, you can have like the audience can decide and like things like it's, it's just that show that I just like looked into more that there hasn't, there's no episodes of the show that I've seen more than once. And I, I, I don't know if it's a show like, my favorite show of all time is The Office. Is it the best show I'll ever see? No. Is it a show like The Sopranos? No. But like, it's that show, like I can watch The Office over and over again, Parks, Arrested Development, New Girl, stuff like that. Game of Thrones, there were a few episodes that I've seen more than once. The Sopranos, mm-hmm. I have not seen any episode more than one time. It, for me, when that show came out, we would have been in kindergarten or first grade when it first started. So like, yeah, obviously, I mean, it was just something that like pop culture and like, being a big fan of that growing up and probably watching some things a lot younger than a lot of people did just because I was obsessed with the history behind it and why people loved movies that won all these things and TV shows that were like generational and either syndicated or not or things like that. The Sopranos for me, I think I watched it at the right time. And I think if I were to revisit it a couple of years down the road, I think I would appreciate it more than I did the first time that I watched it. Yeah, I could see that. I I think that it's got to be very difficult. This is another reason why this show is so amazing. I think it's, it's got to be really difficult to tell us, make a show telling a story about a time that was 30, 40 years prior, right? They're talking right. about, you know, the Italian mafia 
like when was that a thing the 70s really like talking decades prior right and 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 they're telling the story in the early 2000s and you and i watched the show in 2020 right and it's still relevant right like that's that's got to be really difficult to do as a writer it's still to this day has to be one of the best made shows i've i've ever seen and there's going to be a movie prequel it's supposed to follow like young teenage early 20s tony but the star of the film the actor that's going to play the lead going to be like christopher's father and I think it's called The Many Saints of Newark. It got pushed back a little bit because of COVID. It'll come out sometime in 2021, thought, like, the, like the spring, I think. I thought you said that uh, Gandolfini's son yes. was going to do part of it. Yeah, yeah. Gan- Gandolfini's son. I think his name is Michael Gandolfini. He's playing Tony. Mm. And he's he's already been in some movies and some television shows. Like he was in a show on HBO called The Deuce. It didn't run that long, but he has a good role in that. And he also, um, when you see him, looks just like a young James Gandolfini, which is perfect. Wow. I mean, you want. I mean, you want that. So of course. it's. I mean, I understand like there's some people like you can always kind of find someone who looks kind of like the person, but I mean, you're literally. T- I mean, it's his blood, you know. Yeah, I think Gandolfini was across the board respected as well mm-hmm. as an actor in person, from what yeah. I found. Oh, of course, of course, and he had so much range he was never typecasted and he, and, he, and he easily could have been he had done plays he had done movies he had done television shows and and i just think like he would have been perfect in like a comedy like there's people who like jeff daniels is a serious actor you see him in newsroom he was in just crazy crazy movies in the 80s that are like serious like drama films like terms of endearment things like that but then he also was in dumb and dumber so he can do the comedy thing there's people who can do both and i think james gandolfini I mean, RIP, I think he definitely could have done that as well. Yeah, be- such a shame. Right. I would have liked to see him do more. Hearing like the, after the uh, the anniversary interviews with the Sopranos cast and hearing them talk about Gandolfini and yeah, who he was as a person, it seems like they were all, they had this attachment to him and they had this respect for him that seemed genuine. No, absolutely. Yeah. There's like a, that good, I'm not sure if we watched the same thing. If we did, then we'll be on the same page, but like people from like the today show had like a 45 minute or like hour long kind of like tribute thing. And they talked about Gandolfini and I had, I I had watched that like after the show had ended. So like, I mean, there's definitely like an emotional reaction there, but there's also something like, like the two Soprano kids on the show. AJ. AJ. I mean, AJ and Meadow. Meadow (laughs) is another one of, one of those characters in the show where it's either you like them or you just cannot stand them at right, any no. step of the way. It's, <laughs> he, he has AJ season one is a laugh riot, but he quickly goes downhill. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Not, not like in like, like a bad way, but like you're completely right. Like there are like, shows like all time like generational shows where like there's that one character like you like him or you don't you're not like in between like as time went in between like i liked paulie i was in between then i loved him and then you take people bobby bacala unanimously loved soft-spoken giant but he'll do what he has to do it is what it is i think i think sill i i've told you this i think sill is in my top three favorite in that show He's just always under the radar, like quietly doing his jobs and unfortunately has to uh, take one for the team when 
Adriana gets out of line. Oh, sure. And, and, and I think like with like that main crew who have like their day job and like the day job for Sylv is the one that you would <laughs> see at the most. And he very much is interested in his working non mafia family side he is the person that you could convince the most is like the de- most dedicated like nine to five worker. Granted, his line of work would not be nine to five. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just think like I got that vibe as well. And then for me, like the actor who played Sylv is the lead guitarist for Bruce Springsteen and E Street Band. So like another he, thing that I didn't find out until after the show. Oh, my God. He is incredible. Yeah, to find that out, I was shocked. Yeah. Like, what a talented human being. And, and, and those shows that that band plays, they're always like th- three-hour-plus shows. I mean, I love that you brought up Sylv there because I, I was thinking of that, what could it be like that transition? So when it comes to music, I'm going to do my best here to keep up because you were literally, you were born with the gift. But With the gift. <laughs> with the gift. See? Regalo, see? <laughs> When it comes to, I would say, people that I've known for a while and would consider a close, if not my closest friend, something being around you, Jonathan, our, our good friends and his family, like from, from high school, and then like Keaton, another close friend of mine who he'll be coming up here this month on Live On Set as well, like either one of or both of the parents of the people, you, Jonathan Keaton, are Hispanic, fluently speak Spanish. Their families, their parents are from Spanish-speaking countries. I'm going to do my best to kind of keep up here in a little bit, but Spanish being the first language that you knew and then learning, like, English. But, like, when it comes to music, like, I'm going to kind of go, like, in and out here and then just if, however you want to, like, answer it and we'll go back and forth because I, I really – I'm very interested in your – opinion i think the people of live on set will will love it and appreciate it as well but i guess i want to start with because there's a lot of people i want to talk about there's a lot of people who we have discussed but and i want to kind of break this down and talk a little bit about mark anthony talk a little bit about like ozuna and bad bunny benito um benito like however you want to like describe him but i I, I, I guess I want to try to like ask as many questions like as I can in Spanish, but I want to talk about it like a little bit of both. And I think you're that one person who, yes, I've met some people through work the past couple of years that Spanish is their first language. I've been able to become like friends with like my current job now. And then people that I met, like when I worked at Amway that have been nothing but, but good to me. And like, I would know Spanish from like growing up and taking Spanish in, in school and things like that. But like, um, being able to really, and I talked about this in episode zero a little bit too, where I credit, um, I don't say like names specifically, but you were very much in there with like people who did not think I was joking when I was trying to like learn the language in some way, shape or form. And I think you're really that one person who has definitely like put me in a position where you like, you know, like I love writing, you know, I love like listening and like listening and like watching things. You're like, Austin, if you were really serious about it, you could, you could learn the language. Yeah, very, very easily. I um, mean, you have a good foundation. You just uh, have to apply yourself, I think. Right. Maybe immerse yourself in some of it. Watch a little bit of uh, Telemundo. Maybe. I do that now. Listen to Rumba. Dude, 
Rumba 100.3. Rumba. <laughs> now, say, so listen, so like, there's a lot of people that we know well that they're, they're that classic, and we're not fans of it, but like the classic Z88.3. And that's not me at all. <laughs> you got to turn, you got to turn that dial up. Dose, 12, year. 12. Put them up. Rumba 100.3. But no, like, it's, it's, I, I said this in episode one. I said the Spanish language is the most beautiful language when you describe things in Spanish versus any other language, like, like just the, the way the words sound, it is the, it is the most beautiful language in the world. So, oh, wow. No, I, I guess how, like, I, I want to kind of like start here is like on like the, um, from like asking the question, I guess legitimately in Spanish would be like, que significa la música uh, para ti y, y tu cultura, right? Wow. You've been practicing. Dude, I've been doing my lata today. You're the only person I would speak to consistently on the phone that would know that. But like, this is something that if we had this conversation, like we went to Puerto Rico together in January, but for a couple of days, loved it. Beautiful time, fantastic memories. I cannot wait to go back. The music is very much ingrained in the foundation of, of that culture. And that's something that you and a lot of other people have shown me, but like, yeah. the, like, like the music to you, like, did you listen to music? Like, did your parents have music on in the house when you were growing up? Did you listen to it and kind of like find your own way as you got older? Like, what was it? And you can go English, Spanish, like, I'll try to pick up on things, but we'll, we'll discuss. You said it right. I mean, music is, it's a huge thing culturally from in Puerto Rico and many other Latin languages or countries. We're rhythmic people, I think. And, uh, grow up listening to salsa and we have these these uh these things called parrandas during the christmas time which are much like christmas caroling mm -hmm. but it's just uh you grow up with it and, and there's these songs that come on over the christmas time that you just they're like jingle bells to you i don't know they're they're very it's just ingrained in, in who you are when you grow up and, and i think music means a lot to Caribbean cultures. Um, I, I don't know where it generates from, but people start making music in, in their backyard, banging on garbage cans or whatever, and they pick up a beat and someone next door starts singing some song about the clothes hanging on her clothesline. Like, it, that's how this music started. And, and it was a way to bring people together. Like, uh, we're talking about poor cultures, right? And mm. And I think that cultures that are less developed have they're more communal and they find ways to be happy in, in in other avenues right i think that that's where a lot of the 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 cultural music vibes come from speaking of puerto rico though it's funny that you mentioned this because when we were in puerto rico something happened at this bar that we went to late night Mm -hmm. that was like so puerto rican and I, I wonder if you remember we were like the bars had closed and we went right. downstairs in this yes. club yes and it was after hours yes. and 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 they, they they like couldn't they couldn't play music anymore because of whatever ordinance they had to they had to turn the music off so like right. 3 a.m right these kids start like they like pick up a beat on the bar and they start singing the song that everyone knew and like <laughs> there's no music going on right and you just have like a hundred people downstairs and everyone just like making their own music but it was like everyone was it was like three or four minutes of just beauty honestly like i loved it i, I everyone was just 
jamming to the same thing. And it came, it was, it spawned out of nothing. It was a very beautiful moment. It's one of my favorite parts of that trip. I remember that because that was the first night that we were there. Um, We had to wait like a little bit because one of the guys got in late and we went around, we walked down. So like that weekend, not only did we go away for one of our good friends, like bachelor party weekends in Puerto Rico, it was the weekend of MLK. So like that third week of, of January, but it was also like the, and I don't say we went like, I think it was like a Friday. So that was like the 16th. So day as he says, but what's important is like, that was the San Sebastian's festival. So we went out yeah. there and everyone was out there. It was lit. And that place that you're talking about, I remember what you're saying because we went in there, we walked around so many different places and you were like, Austin, like this is not going to be like the downtown that you're used to, but I'm going to tell you, you're going to have a fantastic time. And you really undersold it because like I had one of the <laughs> best weekends like ever, but like the places that we went to, there were some bars that kind of been a little similar to what we kind of get here in Orlando or other places that I've been to when I've traveled. But like the beauty and the architecture and like the streets and how they were all laid out. Like the bar you're talking about, we exited that bar through the vending machine of a Coca-Cola door. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) I totally forgot about that. (laughs) The door was hidden behind a vending machine. La Puerta was definitely a Coca-Cola machine door. We walked out. Yeah, that was crazy. And we didn't have, have, Um, we didn't have to hit a button to get out. It was beautiful, man. It was incredible. That, I actually, the as many times as I've been to Puerto Rico, I've never experienced San Sebastián at festival either. And uh, I couldn't believe how many people there were. Just everyone out in the streets all day long. And it'd be a San Juan. I'm kind of upset you didn't get to see it during the day without all the crowds because it really is a beautiful town. And, 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 and the one day that we went out there, like the second or third day that we were there, it rained. We, we, Al Yonke was never on like the game plan, but we were going to mm. do like the fairies after we did the um, Bacardi tour and we all got certified. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a mixologist. Of man. course. I mean, yeah, three drinks. But, um, and I got my certificate too. If I were, I would say if, like when I do go back, I, there's things that I do want to see. And then there, there's things that I want to kind of venture out into maybe more to like where your family on the island, like where your family would be, or maybe see the other side. Like we have friends that lived in Ponce. Like luckily at that time, like we were there, there were no earthquakes, but there were earthquakes before we got there. And we knew people that really lived that we were friends with in high school. And I'm sure other people that you would have known or your family would have known that would have been impacted or knew someone that were impacted. And I mean, it's, it's, it's just. My, uh, my grandmother currently lives in Ponce. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's been staying uh, with my uncle and uh, my cousins that live out there. When it comes to music, because I, I need you to, we got to get, we got to get deep here. Like, I want to start with Mark Anthony and then we'll get to Ozuna um, and, and Bad Bunny. But <laughs> Mark Anthony is someone who, when I worked at Amway, had, he is the person that has performed at Amway the most. Aguanile. <laughs> uh, Aguanile is the hottest, the hottest song of all time. Oh my God. Primero Cancion, I'm telling you, dude, is the, at least the hottest opening song. Like I'm telling you. Everything, what I love about his music, his, his shows are inexperienced, man. Yes, he's up front and center and singing, but the people behind him, the instruments, what's going on, the vibe, the experience right there, it is something like I have never seen before. And that is a show that if I have the opportunity to go, I go. If I have to work, I work. I will not miss that show. Yeah, I've never been. Oh, my God. <laughs> I've never seen him. Okay, va, no way. <laughs> but um, I imagine it's a party. 
a lot of those Dude. salsa artists put on parties and they have these live bands with them. It's unlike uh, going to see a traditional concert. I just, um, yeah, though, he is uh, he's an icon, I think, is the only way to describe him. It's right. kind of crazy to see the platform he's reached. He's huge. But I, I want to talk about, like, I love Mark Anthony. He still puts out new music. I love it. He comes to Amway every year. Like I said, I never miss it. But into like getting into like specifics with like other like artists, like as we've gotten older and we've, we've aged like music as it's as, as itself, like as a whole pop culture, music continues to evolve. Things are being done in different ways. And we are now in the first year of a new decade. And the two people that I want to talk about that when this decade is over, that could literally be the face of music during the decade. If they're not one of them, if they're not already. Ozuna and Babani. So like literally like <laughs> I think I'm not Jude. I think believe like Creo, but like su musica es uh, like esta cambiando like El Mundo. Like their music, like his music is like Ozuna or Babani, but his music is changing the world. And like they are legitimately going to be, if they're not already, the biggest names in music. Like their following is massive. Like last year, like yeah. Ozuna was the most streamed artist on the planet. Yeah, and I actually think like you hear to hear you saying that on the surface seems kind of crazy. Ozuna and Bad Bunny being that big, where right. like they're overtaking your everyday household names of like, I don't know, Beyonce or something. Right. Right. But I mean, you're right. And I, and, and I think that uh, it has to do because culturally bridged a gap that not a lot of people have done before where they have, they, they have a, one guaranteed fan base, which is anything near the equator, right? Like <laughs> like any Caribbean island or south right. is pretty much going to like them because they play music and have relatable lyrics to what they're accustomed to, right? And, mm-hmm. and that's what's going to be on the radio and locally where they're at, et cetera. But to bring that to America, to North America, and and I mean, you even hear that music in Europe. Like, that's kind of crazy. These are just some 20-year-old kids from Puerto Rico who are, like, transcending into this status of, like, a Rolling Stone cover, right? which is true. I mean, Bad Bunny was on, on the cover recently. Right. I think that's kind of insane. I mean, I think, I agree like... With you. I think they might be... They might have that big of an impact, and it sounds crazy, but I think they might. Because I want to get, like, the next question I want to ask you is, like, like, Keita Gusa, like, Ozuna y like Benito like like but you like Bad Bunny I, I call him Benito to you because like you're my like my best friend but like when I talk to like I don't say like Benito to other people unless people like know what I'm talking about so like if I say Benito like what and then it's like like Bad Bunny but, like he literally last weekend was on top of a truck in New York City on one of the like 11 plus million people watched his live stream and it covered all of the history of his music and like there are few people that can really kind of not just like do it and people follow it. But I went to his concert in, at Amway like a year, like a year and a half ago. And it was center stage. It was the best thing I've ever seen. And at that time I knew if, if when it came to the Spanish language, it, numbers, colors, elementary words. And like, <laughs> I'm, I'm dead serious. And then like now, like appreciation for the music and like the history behind it 
and what he's talking about and like what he like talks about like he is drake for the generation but he is bigger like that like you said that crossover is there like that that one collaboration with cardi b for i like it is all he needed like he has that song with mia drake like he yeah. did not even need that. Well, that was obviously big he did not need that like the the crossover has already been done and like he yeah. is only getting bigger like he is only getting bigger Ozuna has stuff with Cardi B. He has stuff with Selena Gomez. Like, th- like obviously those are big songs that like do really, really well. Ozuna has been selling out arenas in the United States and cities where there is not a massive, to my knowledge, like a massive Spanish-speaking population there and is selling out arena tours. The last three tours he's done. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. And I think actually, personally, I like Bad Bunny a little more than Ozuna, but I think that as an artist, Ozuna is a bit more dynamic. I think he does a few things uh makes different songs and i think that a lot of bad bunny is the same trap beat with whatever fresh lyrics he's right, got right right like that, that i don't know the sustainability of that kind of music and it's funny because i have this conversation with like my parents or i mean my aunt or anyone who's like older of an older generation and they listen to this music and they just think it's like complete filth. Like <laughs> just appalled at the things these kids are saying, which I totally get because right. their lyrics are like very R-rated. Right. But you look at like what hip hop culture is turning into nowadays on on even the the radio. Those kids aren't like like these little pumps, little yachties. Like that is kind of trash too, right? But they yeah. have these good trap beats that that all the that all the kids like, and I think right. that that's what this music kind of turning into. Right. And and I, I I think that Bad Bunny's just really capitalizing on it. I don't know what goes on behind the scenes if it's just like good production value on his on his end, but he's just crushing it. I swear. I listen to his songs. I'm like, Oh my God, I, I can't not like this kid. He's like a, right. just a 20, 24 year old Puerto Rican kid that, you know, came from nothing and is now just taking over the world. Literally, literally from the supermarket to superstardom. And like, I literally like what I love about bad bunny. Like the first song I ever heard of bad bunny ever. Chambaya. Allah. What we talk about all the time. <laughs> you say Allah. Like um, that was the last song that he ended with at Amway. And I legitimately thought the roof was going to explode. When you hear like that, like the, the shotgun, like the, sh- sh- when it goes, I thought the roof was going to go with it. And like, that is the loudest that I've heard that arena and that concert right there. Like there are a few people that I've been to that have successfully had the audience in the palm of their hand and bad bunny is doing it now. And he does it at anywhere he performs at. And I know like it's, it's a lot of Puerto Ricans in Orlando. Right. It's, it's, it's also not a time right now, like in the world with like COVID and things like that to talk about like, and like make jokes, but Bad Bunny has been wearing a mask for two or three years. So if anyone has been prepared <laughs> when it comes to a fashion sense, it's been, it's been Bad Bunny. But I mean, when it comes to like Ozuna, like, is he more dynamic as like a whole like, yes, like Ozuna could do like an acoustic album where he's singing and people are loving it. You could, yeah, he, could I can do see a, that. he could do a rap album. He could do a trap album. He could do whatever he wants to do. Like Ozuna, his last album, not the one that just dropped, but the one before that, Nibiru, like he legitimately created a, a whole world with his production team. And the whole reason why the world has not seen that tour yet is because of COVID. He legitimately is like last year, man, like he's a 25 or 26 year old kid 
with a beautiful voice with a following that is only expanding like Bad Bunny. Now their music is a little bit different. They have music together, which is great. But like my favorite solo musician growing up was Lil Wayne. Now there's some similarities that Ozuna has a Lil Wayne, but he also <laughs> does not like, like, like Lil Wayne does not have like a full, like kind of like band behind him and things like that. Like Ozuna, mm-hmm. he is someone who like, like, our, like, like Mark Anthony or like Bad Bunny. And I know like you're really big on like Wasina Yandel who did a fantastic show at Amway as well. Like they See. literally like everyone goes to those shows when they come you especially have like opened my mind about, okay, well, it's not like just these couple of people. You can like listen to other people and try new things and see what their story is about. So like, it's not like looking and understanding the meaning behind like the language, but then also looking at like, okay, these people have been established for so long. And I think it all leads back to Daddy Yankee, right? I was, I was waiting to take you there. dude. And it's actually, it's interesting that you say this because this is like, you're just getting into Bad Bunny and Ozuna now. And that's how far the reach has come. But this is music that I've been listening to since I was a kid. I mean, right. I, I told you this. I, I remember downloading, like, like torrenting, wasting on the music on LimeWire when I was like 10 years old, right? What like, a I, <laughs> no, but to think Yandel specifically is now releasing albums with a feature with Snoop Dogg in it, I'm like, just blown away that this is where these kids have gotten to because right. if i look back 10 15 years there's no chance that, that would happen because like we see me and then weren't on the radio like they were pretty big spanish artists but they weren't they weren't even on trumba yet right? right like no that was too that was too taboo for for mainstream radio yet and i think that it's people like bad bunny and ozuna that are like opening opening doors for the other Spanish artists like we see on then and and there's the list is it's getting long yeah. and <laughs> Luyan DJ Luyan Mambo Kings right dude, like all these DJ people Luyan, that get Mambo King see dude get, Chris, uh, they get listed in these songs Chris Jedi, people man. know who they are now because of Bad Bunny and and Ozuna right and pretty much we can give them credit but all of that goes back to Daddy Yankee and and what he did for music right and i think someone that i haven't really mentioned that that definitely needs to be mentioned as well just like jay balvin for for mm. he's mm-hmm. i mean colombian and then just like massive and like there's people that are like like maluma is really big too not really like in the same the, his music is not the same I, like i was talking to my friend a couple months ago and i was like I'm going to let you know, like, I've listened to these people. Let me just ask you, am I on the, am I on the right page here in regards to like what, like what their stuff means? Like Maluma is like, let me sing to you. We'll see what happens. And then there's, there's, there's people like there's, there's people. And then, I mean, live on set is, is PG. I'm really trying to, to talk to the masses here, but like Maluma is like, let me sing to you and see what happens. And obviously that can be interpreted for whatever you want it to be. All this can be interpreted to what, it, what, you, what you want it to be. Ozuna is like, I'm going to sing to you and then we're going to see how things go. But uh, like, I'm not a kid. Bad Bunny, Bad Bunny. <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> I don't get too aggressive here, but like, it's essentially, it's like, Bonita Mami Oye, like work tomorrow, trabajo, bye, not going to happen. We're leaving tomorrow. We're going to leave with me on an adventure. It's going to be, you're going to have the most wild time you've ever had. And then we'll see what yeah, happens. Bad, Bad Bunny's no room for interpretation. He's no. just... Straight no. to the point. Because he, he literally does what he wants. I know. I know. I, I, I don't know. I, like, I love that about him. <laughs> right. right. 
and maybe that's and, what uh my parents think is so about yeah. it so like there's other people that are like in there like but it, it all it all leads back definitely from like what i've seen like what i've heard from people and i've asked these people like differently who are like who grew up in the United States, but like their family is from either Puerto Rico or Dominican Republic or Colombia or things like that. And they talk about like Daddy Yankee. And when they talk about Daddy Yankee, like for me, if I think of like who to associate with like a genre of music, right? I think about like Jay-Z and what Jay-Z means to rap. And I think what Jay-Z means to rap is what Daddy Yankee means to like reggaeton and like urban Latino music. Reggaeton, yeah. But it's is... like, it's, it is Jay-Z times 10 is what Daddy Yankee means to that. It's crazy because it sounds a little drastic to to hear you say it that way, but but Jay Z didn't. I guess he kind of did bring a genre to popularity, right? right? Like he was part of a movement of a rap movement with other guys that kind of made hip hop a thing, made right. it acceptable, made it big. Mm-hmm. But Daddy Yankee had to do it uh, to a different culture. Right, like he had to bring, he he brought he brought reggaeton to America. Right, he Americanized hip hop, like Spanish hip hop music, right. and and I I mean I remember being a kid and seeing this guy on 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 MTV, like on a baseball field in San Juan, and I'm like, this is the coolest thing, like because Puerto Ricans are very proud people, and to see like any Puerto Rican reaching that level of success is like huge right and i think that's why i like bad bunny so much he's just a kid who made it right i'm not gonna judge him for what he's talking about right like i love it like is is like the ideal like concert for you is it seeing like bad bunny in puerto rico god bless that would be so good I had tickets to Ozuna before the pandemic hit and then it's going to get postponed. Hopefully it comes something sometimes in 2021 because he's someone like as a musician, like all the shows that he's had at Amway in the past, I've worked, whether it was like the, the hurricane um, relief concert that he did that he put on like after I think hurricane Maria maybe. And then he's been for a couple of other shows that I've worked. I've worked one bad bunny. I attended the other bad bunny and then I had tickets to Nikki jam and then Nikki, he, Nikki, Yam. Nikki, Nikki Yam, right. And he, the day of was like, I'm sick. I can't do it. And then tomorrow, the next day was a sold out show in Miami. So like, I just think Orlando didn't sell well. I don't know him personally, but when he comes back, I'd love to see him. But, and then Jay Balvin was incredible too. And like one of the first shows I ever worked at Amway was Daddy Yankee and Don Omar. Oh my God. Don Omar is another legend. Dude. He's another legend. Sold out, obviously. There's just like this, some good shows. I've seen some amazing shows. Yeah, of course. Like that, that job that I had was like, it was like the best part-time job in Orlando. Like I got to go see shows that I would think I would never see. Magic and games. Magic yeah. games, so many things, so many things. But yes, I would love to see Bad Bunny in Puerto Rico because yeah. it would be just an absurd party. <laughs> it's it, Those shows, I mean, you, you know, they're not like, uh, like your normal concert. They are right. parties. Like the people going to see those shows are there to get down <laughs> like yeah they are dancing they're singing they're loving having a good time let me sing to you see what happens <laughs> dude, dude dude i mean I, I i told people in the teaser of this episode that it's got to be bilingual so i need you to talk to me in spanish a little bit please god because people are like dude, listen for like dude. dude i didn't know i i didn't know what you wanted thank you gracias <laughs> but, no i mean just like de que quieres hablar dude no me importa. ¿Cuál es tu álbum favorito? 
I mean, it's it's got to be um, Odyssey. Odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, dude. I mean, there's so many hits on um, Ozuna's like debut album, like Primero. I mean, you have, I mean, of course, and then you have like, and then there's, I mean, there's a bunch. I mean, that album, like literally not that many features. I mean, on Wells on it. Ooh. Um, and then... <laughs> And then Jay Balvin is on there. And Ooh. then, um, I mean, there's Jay just... Jay Balvin. Jay Balvin. And I feel like I, we didn't even, like, give, like, the credit that, like, Jay Balvin deserved. I mean, I talked about him, like, being from Columbia and him being, like, a massive deal. Like, he is. Like, he's major. Another person like Bad Bunny that we talked about with kind of, like, him kind of breaking out and being, like, that mainstream, like, crossover with, like, Mia and, and I Like It. But Jay Balvin is also on I Like It with Cardi. Like, the biggest album of the past, like, year and a half is gotta be or one of them at least is oasis with oasis <laughs> and then that's only like five or six songs but i mean all of those were hits and like i think like four like five of the six or four of the six all charted and i know like just is that those true two. yeah dude like and i feel like that that like low-key i I'm, they do like a interview like an apple music interview with zane Lowe, and they're talking they're on a boat in puerto rico and they're talking about the project and how when they were just working on things together, like the one song that was kind of like, okay, let's just put it on there. It might not be the song is like La Cancion. And that, that is like oh, by far the actually, biggest song on that album. Yeah, it's my favorite one yeah. on there. I mean. Like, for sure. I mean. There's some bangers, though. Oh, for <laughs> sure. Por ahí. It's a good sí, one. Sí. Yo le <laughs> Yo le yeah, say it, say it, say it, say it. Say it. <laughs> and then i don't um, even know what that like what they're trying to go for with that like what does that phrase mean because i feel like i know what it means but i feel like <laughs> you it's not like i have arrived is it like I think i'm here that's what they're trying to say but i, I don't know it, I, I feel like the translation is not grammatically correct right well i don't think it matters because <laughs> nah. What is Bad Bunny? Like that album was great. And when when Bad Bunny was at Amway, he did that was like his last album. Um so nothing off of this one was out. And like the first two songs for like the album you just mentioned, flawlessly, and you can say because I mean I can't say it the way you said it. Yo hago lo que me da la gana. Sí, sí, sí. Um, <laughs> the the two the first two songs off that album I think were uh, Vete and um, Ignorantes. Those are the first two songs. And then obviously, I mean, just like the first like three or four songs that album is just like hit, hit, hit. Like, Se veo tu mamá, La Difícil, Pero Llano, I mean, La Santa with Daddy Yankee. And there's so many people on that album, like Mike Towers is on the come up. I mean, on Wells on it at the end. And then Argango, your boy, he's on there. And there's just like so many people that are just on that album where like the last album bad bunny it was all like with the exception of like el alpha and, and drake there's no collabs on that album and Maybe then animal? see there's no there's no collabs i mean it's except for oh, um, Diplo. Diplo. <laughs> <laughs> um and i mean that song right there i mean my god i mean to bring a whole new wave to the jet ski but uh <laughs> gives wave runner a different meaning right 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 see. 
But I, I just think that with like Bad Bunny, it all goes back to um, just like not just like him as a performer, but like how many people like tune into his things and then him to like team up with someone like Jay Balvin, who is, I mean, as influential and as, as established as really anyone kind of like in that like genre right now. And that, that all goes back to what we said earlier about like what daddy Yankee kind of paved and, and what oh, he yeah. did. And um, there's just so much that you can, I mean, dedicate to, to daddy Yankee and, and, I know like when Jay Bobbin was in Orlando, like he did like a whole like medley of songs and there was like this thing it's on YouTube. It's amazing. It's like, um, like De La Ghetto is on there and Zayani Lennox and Yandel and Ozuna, of course, and the Jay Bobbin. And then Ozuna does Lo Que Paso, Paso, which is my favorite Daddy oh, Yankee wow. song. And Throwback. then Jay Bobbin does Gasolina or no, he does. Yeah. Gasolina. And then, Daddy Yankee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, he, no, it's like a medley. It was like a it was like a tribute, like a dedication to, to Daddy Yankee. And then Whoa. What did they like gonna do? He did he did like Rompe maybe. And then um Zayani Lennox did it was either him him or or, or um Yandel did uh K Tango Acer and then shit. <laughs> 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 God, I can't find it, man. Oh, I know that song. Yeah. I mean, these are all throwbacks, man. Is it crazy? Like, I mean, Gasolina was like the big, one of the biggest hits ever. And then um, Rompe was, was, I mean, massive too. And then, I mean, Lo Que Paso Paso, that's my favorite song. I mean, I just think it's great. And I think... Um, I got to find that other thing. I'll send you a link. I'll send you some links. But um, yeah, I mean, there's just so much. And and I just think like another thing that we haven't really like talked about that aren't like songs that are like on Bad Bunny's albums or like the songs that he's been like featured on too. So you take like the past like year and a half, two years, you have Tebote, massive hit, um, the remix right. for that. And then you take Solita, which has our boy um, DJ Leon on it. And then and Ozuna, and then we have the Soltero remix, and then the um, lately, like the past like year or so, like No Me Conoce, and I just feel like Bad Bunny is someone that you want on your song always. And if it's not, if he's not on the, if it's not his song, if it's not the original, there's not a lot of Bad Bunny songs that are being remixed because I feel like they don't need to be. <laughs> and then there's just so much, you know so much, right. And you know so much about these artists and tracks. It's you're, I mean I've been listening to it like I would say that like the past like two or so years just trying to like learn Spanish. Like Miami, it's been a necessity for, for years, and Orlando I feel like is getting there. And like for me, just trying to identify things like the best things for me in, in terms of learning and 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 trying new things. If I can associate like a television show or like music to it to help me um, learn or, or understand the message. I, that's just my way to go. That's like my, um, I think you should watch money heist, but I thought like you told me like with money heist, like the, like the Spanish is like more Spain and that would be, it that is. might be too aggressive, too fast. It definitely is. Right. But it's a good show. Right. And actually 
Bad Bunny references Money Heist in two different tracks on on uh, his most recent album. Yo, I will look at my Lalagama. He talks about uh, two of the characters in them too. Did I tell you this? No. Oh my God! Yeah, he talk. He mentions uh, El Profesor. <laughs> oh my God! I've seen I've seen the first couple episodes of Money Heist, and I like that they're a little bit long, but it's not something that I can like. You, there's shows you can binge and you can kill a season of a show in like a day, but like Money Heist, like it's oh, it definitely it. requires your full uninvited attention. Yes, and I think he starts one of the songs with "Vivo en la casa de papel" or something, which like in Maybe Money Heist, in, in it, house paper. no, it, it's it's like the the title of the season in Money Heist, and, uh-huh. and Bad Bunny just shouts it out, saying he lives in the house of money. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> the man says words that accurately reflect the album of the title. I mean, it's a way of life, dude. It's a vibe. And I don't think I could, I could, um, I'd love to be his friend. I would love to hang out with that bunny. Oh, for sure. For sure. But I don't know if I could keep up with the lifestyle, you know, like we're not, uh, nah, we're not 25 year old, uh, hip hop icons. Dude. I literally live my life. Like I am Ochenta. Like I'm 80 years old. <laughs> Ochenta. Ochenta. See. What do you think about um, Romeo Santos? Dude. If I could somehow, I got to figure out like the best way to say it. Cause I got to give some Spanish back here. This is not, I'm trying to think like, <clears throat> now let me think for a second. How to, like, there's a lot of words. Cause like for Spanish, it would be like, if I'm saying I'm wearing green pants, it would be pantalones verde. It wouldn't be like verde pantalones. Like I need to figure out like the best way I'm adding the words up. Cause like if a sentence is 10 words in Spanish, I know seven, but the other three are the ones that give me, give me a hard time. Difficile. Um, no, it's fast. Well, not easy. Um, let me think here. If I want to be able to like speak Spanish the way that he would sing Romeo, K-O-B, I guess it would be necesito poder hablar español como canta Romeo. But <laughs> like the thing, that the good thing so about good. the sheriff's the good thing about, I had to think for a second, like I can't do it on the spot. That's why I could never, unless it's a number or a color or like an elementary word, like school supplies, like mochila, backpack, <laughs> lapis, <laughs> pencil. Now the beef, seriously, the beef, yeah, you'll love this maybe, <laughs> is between boligrafo and la pluma. I'm telling you, like, <laughs> what do you want to pick, man? Like, what's your choice? I mean, there's too much change, combo. It's just not good, man. Like, oh my God. It's true, all true, dude. This is true. SDS for dot. This is true. But uh, I didn't know you were working on your Spanish stand-up too, dude. I need to get back on stage. Could you imagine, like, if I just got up and did? like karaoke or something like we have like a friend's wedding coming up soon like if we went out for like karaoke or something and i just started just going up in spanish like i could never pull that off like i'd have to what, start now like what song would you sing would you would you come up to stage with uh <laughs> and do the karaoke microphone i could pull off maybe like something maybe i'm in like maybe I but the good you have to the walk good, up with a little uh, no, dude <laughs> I think that's the hottest track of, i mean that's credit. the hottest opening track of all time but like if the good thing about like romeo santos and like aventura is like romeo he 
like some of their early stuff, like their live albums and stuff, which is really cool. Is like he, like his English is great. So like I understand like, and he did like another like a live stream too, like a Bud Light Seltzer thing with like Aventura, and like his English is great. But God, God, could you imagine if I got up there and did like Obsession or something like Judy? <laughs> no, I could never. I could never pull that off. He has too much swag, dude. He has way too much swag to be going up there and doing that stuff. I mean, he. I mean, he, he kills it, but I mean, that, that subject matter based on their music from what I've listened to and I, and I went back and I, and I read, I'm not sure I could pull Ozuna or Bad Bunny in one of their tracks has a lyric about Romeo, something about like, te hablo como canta Romeo Santos or something like that. I... Ozuna and, and Romeo have some songs together. I know that Ozuna has been on one of um, his albums and him the same, like Aviza off, off of um, Ahora, but and then, I mean, another like big, big, big to bring up was Yandel again, like Ayando, like that song was massive for their album too, Big Leagues, but a lot I of people respect I, it, I but like, it's, it's hard for me, like a white kid talking about people that I understand maybe like confidently, like 30 to 40% of a song. And like, if I listen to it, but like if I, if, if I had to like sit down and I have the lyrics in front of me, I might be able to get there. Like it just takes time. And but I mean, it I just like on your way to fluency. I need something too. And maybe it's like flashcards. You told me before. And you've also mentioned like the opportunity and <laughs> <in, laughs> like the offer. <laughs> I mean, the offer is there to like text in Spanish. And like, I, I need to do it, man. Because like, I have, I have friends like from like Amway and like my, my job now that like, I talk to them like all the time, very much like safe space. Like they talk me through a lot, a lot of different stuff. And and it's something that um, as time goes on, like if I put more into it, like it'll just, I mean, maybe like in the wrong, like in the long run, just pay off. But I'm no, confident I mean, that if you and I texted in Spanish for a few months and see. you watched uh, Telemundo see. or Univision you see. or Lights, Camera, Homocito, see. <laughs> Improvisation, I like. Yes. <laughs> If Sean, if Sean Spencer can get by and start on a soap opera, getting by the Spanish, a combination of the Spanish he learned on Love Boat and in, in uh, school, I think I can, I can <laughs> have consistent elementary conversations. But if uh, I got I got to do my La Tarea, man. I got to study, man. I got to do my La Tarea. <laughs> I, I want to thank you for, for coming on live on set. It was a long time coming. Um, I said in the teaser that a lot of this, like some of it would be bilingual. It was the first one that has ever really happened. I hope the next time that you do come on that I will have done my La Tarea, my homework, and I would have done more. I hope that. Yeah, we, we can, uh, we can have a little Spanish segment. Um, hey, uh, we never, we never talked about Suck, one of our favorite shows of all time. And that's the perfect way to lock you in for another chance <laughs> on live on set this is just what we're doing i got you right where i want you no i teed um, it up for you wait for it but um there you go i literally if people watch the show they'll say it but no i i want to thank you um for for coming on live on set today one of the people that were very high on my list of people that i wanted to have on the show uh, i'm excited Anytime. to see what's going to happen next we're, we're we very big into sports we got football back, which is great. Music is still dropping. People are doing live streams. I hope 
by either the next time that we get to see each other in person, we can maybe go to a show or something. If not, that'll come sooner than we think. But thanks again to Luis very much for coming on Live On Set today. Thank you guys for listening to Live On Set. Live On Set, the weekly pop culture podcast where I'm talking film, music, sports, television with my friends, family, and people I meet along the way. So thanks again to Luis. We will be back next week for episode seven. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We will see you next week. Much love. Adios.